Well, that was something, wasn't it? I loved it. What do you think of when you think of God thinking about you? Wow. I know one thing. I don't know a lot of things. But one thing I'm really sure of. The Christian life is a series of returning and returning and returning back to the heart of God over and over and over again. Through every new season, through every new year, through every new problem, through every new challenge, I know when I think of God, I think of somebody who is inviting me continually, not into perfection, not into getting my act together, but somebody who is inviting me to return to him over and over and over again. I'm so happy to be at Yume Lake again this weekend. I think it may have been four or five years since I've been here, and Yume Lake is such a special place to me. Um, my kids grew up going to youth camp here, and uh, my husband got saved at a police officer's conference here, and so Yume Lake is very special to our family. So I'm so happy to be here. So several years ago, I began this practice that I call sitting in scripture. Basically, what that means is that I take a portion of scripture and I sit with it. I don't try to speed dial through it. I don't even try to over-process it. I sit with it. I turn it over. I pray about it. I pray it. I worship through it. I sit with it as long as I need to sit with it until it does some kind of transformational change deep in my heart. And this happened at a time in my life where I was depressed and I was unable to get myself out of the pit. At that time in my life, books didn't help me, but sitting in God's word, one verse, one portion at a time, brought not only glimpses of relief, but it began to reshape how I was thinking. That was in 1990. That was a time in my life where my life crashed and burned. And after 17 years of being a Christian, and most of those years in vocational ministry as a pastor's wife, I started over with Jesus. I didn't get resaved. I just returned back to my first love and said, I think I kind of need a refresh. I need a redo. I'm in the pit of depression. I have no idea what your love means. I only know how to tell other people about it. Maybe you can relate to that, I don't know. But fast forward, June 2013, in keeping with my tradition of sitting in Scripture, I had decided that that month in June, I was going to sit in Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is that psalm where David says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all our sins, who heals all our disease, who redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion, who satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. It goes on to talk about that he's a compassionate father who knows that we're just dust and who desires to give good things to his children. So I was reading Psalm 103 every single day, sometimes a couple times a day, 
Sometimes I didn't get anything out of it at all. I just read it out loud. And other times as I read it out loud, there were two words that just really stuck with me. And they weren't very spiritual sounding at all. The words that stuck with me weren't bless the Lord. The words that stuck with me were forget not. Forget not in the Hebrew means pay attention, just in case you ever wanted to look it up. It's a call to attention. So basically the psalmist was saying, pay attention. What are we supposed to pay attention to? Pay attention to his benefits. Pay attention to who he is and how he loves. God was, my, God was calling my heart once again to return to that place, to remember that he was the one who forgave me when I messed up, that he was the one who would heal me when I was sick, that he is the one who redeems me from all the different pits I end up in. I don't know about you, but I have been in lots of pits in my lifetime, and I'm not talking about a mud hole. I'm talking about things like the pit of depression, the pit of discouragement. You know what I'm talking about. And to forget not that he crowns me with love and that he covers me with compassion and that he does desire to satisfy my desire with good things. And I really love this one, that he renews our youth. Can I get an amen on that one? Anybody besides me? Later that month, I was really surprised when I got a call back on my routine mammogram. I figured that it was a fluke. I wasn't scared at all because not a female in my family had ever had breast cancer. So I just went through the process, went through the second thing, went through the biopsy. I can still remember the day when the oncologist called me and asked me if I had a pen and a paper to write some things down before the oncologist told me that I had breast cancer. So I'm writing down furiously all of the things the doctor's saying. I had to show up the next morning somewhere. I had to have more testing. I had to go get blood tests that afternoon. I'm writing it all down. And as I'm writing down the doctor's instructions, I'm scribbling on the side of the paper, forget not, forget not, right? forget not, forget not. I mean, the paper looked like a mess. It looked like some psycho woman. Here were, the, here were the details. Here was the forget not, forget not, forget not, forget not. In my mind's eye, I can still see a snapshot of that crazy looking paper that was smattered with forget not. What did he want me to remember during this time? It's the same thing that he wants any of us to remember anytime that we're faced with a problem or something hard. He wanted me to remember who he is and how he loves. You know, sometimes we make our walk with Jesus something very, very complicated. Sometimes it gets reduced to rules, or it gets reduced to a brave face and trying to get our act together, when really, it is very simple if we're going to look at scripture. Now, like, surrendering our life is not simple. It's a process. But the part that is simple is the focus on him, who he is, and how he loves. And so as I sat in Psalm 103, it was clear to me that I was supposed to live a life of paying attention. You see, this is true for little things, and this is true for serious things. When we remember him, we have peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on him. 
And what else can we know about our life and God's care over us? In Psalm 139, 16, it says that all the days ordained for me, all the days ordained for you, planned for you, were written in his book before we even took a breath, before one of them ever came to be. When it comes to the beginning, I didn't get to choose my birth date. And no matter how hard I might try, I'm not going to get to choose my end date. But what I get to choose, what you get to choose, every single morning when we wake up is we get to choose who are we going to return to that day. Who are we going to pay pay attention to that day? Are we going to remember who he is and how he loves us? And are we going to go out into our day trusting and remembering God in our midst? That's what we get to do. The end date, the beginning date, and the end date It's been written in his book before one day came to be. It says in Job, actually, that that God has set limits that man cannot exceed. You're like, wow, this is a really heavy retreat. It gets better, guys. (laughs) You know, here's the deal. That can give you tremendous peace or it can freak you out. So I want to tell you how that can give you tremendous peace. I'm a mom. I'm a mom. I have four adult children and I have ten grandchildren. And um, I know, like, I, like any mom, you know, you never want anything to happen to your child. And we live in a crazy, fallen world, and sometimes things happen that we would never want to happen. But when it comes to the beginning and when it comes to the end, we can find great peace in knowing who he is and how he loves and that he has ordained our days from the beginning of time. Complete peace. Listen to this, Isaiah 46. I have carried you since your birth even to your old age and your gray hairs. Now, most of you look kind of young, so you're not relating to this yet, but someday you too will be getting your hair colored. I promise you. (laughs) And I'm so happy that God knows what's under this color because it says right here, even to my old age and my gray hairs, it is he who sustains me and it will be him who will carry me. It says, I have made you and I will carry you. What would happen if we went into our days like this? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not who he is and how he loves. Forget not that he is a forgiver, that he is a healer, that he is a restorer. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not that before I ever even lived one day, before I ever even took one breath, that he knew the beginning from the end. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not that he made me, and from birth he has carried me, and to my old age, and to my gray hair, and my last breath, he will sustain me. You can see it's a complete different, you know, it's like not just getting up and going ho-hum, it's getting up and remembering, paying attention. I heard it said once that if it's free, it's advice, and if you pay for it, it's counseling, and if it works, it's a miracle. (laughs) That resonated with me when I heard it because I've had a lot of people give me advice and their opinions. I have had more than my share of counseling. But what I've needed the most, those those things have helped, what I've needed the most and what I still need as I stand before you this weekend is I need the miracle. You see, the definition of miracle is act of wonder. I need the act of wonder. I need the miracle of God working in the deepest parts of me. I need him doing within me that which I cannot do for myself. I have always needed the miracle, that divine intervention of God in my everyday life. And maybe like me, you need a miracle too. 
Maybe you have problems and you need God to intervene in your life. Or maybe after a hard year or a hard couple years for most of us, you need to rediscover now the wonder of his love. Maybe with so much chaos and confusion in the world that we live in, maybe you just need that miracle of that desire to go deeper with Jesus than you ever dared to go before. And all of us, I think, if we're to be honest, need the miracle of God changing our heart. This weekend, we're going to be looking at what it's like to find that miracle in the midst of our everyday situation. This weekend, I know that God has set us apart to be here with each other and to hear from him. And I'm just going to be talking about what we do with problems. That's what I'm talking about this weekend. What do you do with a problem? What do you do when life is hard? Because let's face it, every single one of us are going to have problems. It's not about if, but it's about when. Every single one of us are going to go through hard. It's not about if, it's, it's about when. And you know, it's not helpful if we don't talk about these things, if we don't come to scripture with these things and see what it says. And there's a lot to talk about when we talk about hard because all of us, if we're going to be honest, know more about hard than we would ever care to admit. You know, I wish that I could meet you over a cup of coffee. That's really what I do best. I mean, I do speak like all over the country, but what I really love the most is I love to sit one-on-one or two-by-two or three-by-three. I love to sit and have coffee with women. I love when we can bear our hearts and bear our souls and be real about what we're going through. When we could not give each other answers or try to fix or change each other, but where we can lead each other to the truth of God's word. Where we can encourage each other to forget not. Where we can encourage each other to pay, attens- pay attention. I love this scripture out of Psalm 84, and I wanted to read it to you tonight. It says, um, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their heart on journey with God, the pilgrimage. And when they pass through the desert, when they pass through the hard, when they pass through disappointment, when they pass through what seems like unanswered prayers, they make their life a place of springs. And so I want to talk about how that can happen for each of us. It says in Psalm 16 that the Lord is my portion and he is my cup. And I love that visual. He is my portion and he is my cup. And it says that he makes my lot or my destiny, some versions, secure. And I have come to believe that when we are in the middle of hard times or hard cups in life, that those things really shape us. And I can tell you that um, there was one day in my life that really pretty much changed everything. It was when I was going through breast cancer treatment, and I woke up one morning. I was in my 30 days of radiation. I was about three-quarters of the way through. Um, I was, like, burning up, literally, (laughs) Um, I was tired, I, was, I felt like I couldn't walk from room to room, and I had had it with cancer. You know, when I was first diagnosed, I was really like, rah, rah, rah. I can remember I put like a little video on, on Facebook, like, I'm going to trust the Lord. 
good with this, you know, and, and I really did feel that way at first, but once you get into the thick of it, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like any trial, once you get into the thick of it, and it's not going away, and you get the reality of it, it gets really exhausting, and you're really tired of it, and you're like, why God, why? Well, that was, there was, I was that morning. I told my husband I am not going to treatment today, and he said, you have to go to treatment today. I said, I'm not going to treatment today. I was just like a little, stubborn little child. And I was crying, snot tears on my robe. And I was just sitting on the couch. I'm not going to treatment today. And he, he's a smart man. And he knows me really well. And he knew what to do. He got right up in my face very tenderly and said to me, Debbie, what would you tell another woman to do who was in your shoes? I said, oh, I would tell her. I mean, it's like, like, a, it's like switch the channel. I would tell her that she needs to change her focus, that she needs to believe that God loves her and that he's with her and that she needs to finish the treatment, she needs to finish strong, that God is with her. And he, I mean, he's like, yes, I thought this is what you were going to say. And he goes, I'm going to leave you alone and I'm going to let you process it and I'm going to let you figure this out for yourself. And so he left. So I was in my house all alone. And I was so mad when he left, you know. Can you women relate? but he knew how to get to me. And I cried some more, and I cried some more. And I thought of Jesus in the garden. I thought, you know, when he was in the garden and he said to his father, could you take this cup of suffering from me? Can you just take it? And God said to him, yes, I am almighty. In fact, let me read to you exactly what that little encounter is because it's very powerful for us to understand this. So he said, Father, um, could you take this cup from me? His soul, it says, was overwhelmed with sorrow. And God said that I could do anything and I could take this cup from you. But then he didn't. And so when I asked him, Father, could you take this cup from me? And I felt like he said the same thing to me. He said, yes, I can do anything. I said, did I really have to have the cancer cup? Now, some of you want to put your problem in the cup. Did I really have to have the struggle in my marriage cup? Did I really have to have the divorce cup? Do I really have to have the financial cup? Do I really have to have the depression cup? Do I really have to have the child that's ta taking me over my very last limb cup? Do I really have to have this? And we say to the Lord, could you have taken this cup from me? This has been really hard. And then he says, yes, I can take any cup from you. I am almighty God. I can do anything. And this is what he spoke tenderly to my heart that morning that changed everything for me. And he said, but when I don't take the cup, I have something for you in that was nine years ago, and it changed the way I looked at problems and challenges. Because you see, Scripture says, the Lord is my portion and he is my cup. So he fills my cup. He has such power and authority over my life that when something passes my way that I don't like, he has compassion on me, he cares. But when he does not remove it right away, it's because he is going to use the heart to create something holy and beautiful and transformative in my heart of hearts that could happen no other way. I believe that 
he wants us to understand that we can have grace in every hard place that we find ourselves in. That hard doesn't have to be a bad word anymore. That we don't have to run from hard. That we don't have to be afraid of hard. That we can be women that stand in the power of God in the face of everything in life that is hard. I'm talking about the little hards as well as the big ones. I mean, I had a little bit of female hardship before I came here. My daughter-in-law told me to share this, so I'm going to share it. I had a little bit of, little bit of uh, you know, nervousness because none of my clothes fit because I've been on steroids for a medical reason for the last month. <laughs> and I didn't realize that none of my clothes were going to fit. I live in Arizona. I've been living in stretchy shorts. So I went to go get clothes together to come to you like it's like, what? What? Okay. So from the ridiculous little hard of I can't get my clothes to fit to even a bigger hard, something more serious, whether it's little or whether it's big, can we quit being afraid of hard? Can we stand tall, stare it in the face and say, God, I'm going to remember who you are and how you love me. And that is the bottom line who he is, and how he loves. You know, some of you, probably most of you in here, um, don't know much about my story, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself tonight. You see, walking with Jesus did not come naturally to me. I wasn't born into it. I didn't attend Sunday school. I never heard of vacation Bible school. But at a young age of 17, as a senior in high school, I had already hit rock bottom. I was the top of my class, I was a popular girl, but I had this stressful, toxic relationship with my mother that brought me literally to my knees. And as I began my college years, right after high school graduation, I accepted Jesus. <clears throat> I began that faith journey with him, but I didn't find it really very easy because I didn't have much of a background in anything that would have anything to do with faith. But that is 49 years ago. My own story hasn't been wrapped up in a fancy paper or a shiny bow. Boy, do I ever wish that it was. You know, when I accepted Jesus, I really thought that it was my thing as a female to be pretty perfect and polished for Jesus. You know, I mean, you go to church and they all look like that, right? They look like, they, it's like, you know, like the the desperate housewives or something like they they look so pretty they got their baskets of muffins and they got I mean they're like just perfect and their kids obey and they got like their cute little like spit stick hair and they're just darling and that wasn't my life but I kept trying to be pretty perfect and polished for Jesus until one day my life crashed and burned and I realized that that wasn't where he wanted me anyway my story's been filled with all kinds of broken pieces because I'm a woman who knows about rejection. I told you that I had a rough relationship with my mother. The truth is, is that I was not wanted by my mother. And she chickened out of an abortion. She kept me, and then she kept me at arm's length my entire childhood. The best way that I can sum it up is my senior year in high school is when things crashed and burned for me. Um, I had done everything my whole life to win my mother's attention, affection, and love to no avail. My senior year in high school, I was voted homecoming queen by my peers. Now, 
I get it, it is a really silly thing for a woman with a Medicare card to be talking about that she was once homecoming queen, but it is my story, so bear with me. And as I was standing on the stage under the Friday night lights, and as I was getting that tiara put on my head with my name going across the speakers, I knew that my mother was in the stands, and I knew she was finally going to be proud. Back in those days, it was the 70s. I lived in Redondo Beach. They put things like in the newspapers, like homecoming queens were in the newspapers. It was a thing. I couldn't wait to get home from the dance and show her my tiara that she was asleep. And so I went to bed and I put my little crown next to me on the nightstand and I got up in the morning and I went right where she was drinking her coffee and reading the morning paper and I had the tiara in my hand and I, I twirled around like a teenage girl would and I said, Mom, look, I'm the queen. And she put her coffee cup down and she folded the paper and put it on her lap and she looked at me and she said, they must have miscounted the votes. <clears throat> it was then that I knew that I would never be enough. A lot of women struggle with not being enough. A lot of women struggle with rejection. I knew that my own mother wouldn't have voted for me if given the chance. <clears throat> that was my first kind of entrance into really being depressed. I had tried so hard, so young, to find love and to get love from my mom, and it was unattainable. So I know about rejection. And I know about disappointment. I know about being raised as a latchkey kid and having to stay in the house while I'm watching all the other kids play outside. I always felt like I was different and something was wrong with me. 26 years old, I knew about a discouraging medical diagnosis. I was given three to five years to live with an incurable and untreatable liver disease. Since I'm gonna be 67 in two months, I think that God has the final say on life and death. Now, do you know why I believe that scripture? <laughs> It wasn't like I got a hokey diagnosis. It was from Stanford Medical Center. I still have the disease on paper, but God has let it be in remission my whole adult life. And life changes. When my pastor, my husband, my father of my two children came home one day and shocked the daylights out of me when he said some words that no woman ever wants to hear, he sat down and he Tried to be gentle, but nothing could soften the blow of him saying, Debbie, I have never loved you. I mean, like, is this a bad dream? My mother didn't love me, my husband, I mean, what is wrong with me? Seeing this theme? What is wrong with me? And the worst thing is, in all these relationships, I was trying in overdrive to be enough. And yet, I ended up still not being enough. And it was then that I wondered, if people don't love me, if people don't approve of me, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God wants to be at arm's length from me. And so I began a journey of going back to basics to understand who he is and how he loves. Very simple who he is and how he loves. Oswell Chambers says, the circumstances of a believer's life are ordained by God. And a lot of us have some circumstances or some cups that we'd rather not have, right? But all the circumstances in our life can be viewed through a completely different lens. It does not mean that they're going to be easy, but it means that we can grow through them and we can get through them. 
I'm not excited about hard. I, I mean, that would be a little bit crazy. I'm, I'm not excited about hard, but I do not run from hard anymore. Tonight, I want to pause in Psalm 16, and I want to read this scripture to you. Listen to this. It says, Keep me safe, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Lord, you alone have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. So to assign me my, my portion just basically means that he has ordained my allotment, your allotment. He has ordained your days before you took a breath, and then cup is a container figuratively. So he assigns what goes into the cup of your life, and he makes your lot, your boundary lines, your destiny secure it says in the Amplified, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. He is all that I need. You support my lot. The boundary lines of the land have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Some cups are welcome. Others are not. It's not about what we go through, but it's about how we handle what we go through what our response is to what we go through. My husband and I have this little game. I don't know, he's been retired a few years, and so I guess that's when we started it. And so at this age, I don't like to collect much of anything, but I do now collect cups. And so we have all these different mugs. And this is going to sound so silly to you, but we have this little game. He's always up way before me because he's a really, really early riser. And he makes a coffee, and every day he looks into the cupboard, and he picks out a cup for me. Sounds silly, I know. But he is very intentional, and he picks out a cup. You know, like some of the cups are silly. They say, you know, good morning, gorgeous. You know, I guess, you know, if he thinks I'm feeling bad about myself, I'm going to be like, woohoo, give me my coffee. You know, other ones say, you know, enjoy the journey. You know, let faith rise, whatever it is. You know, see the good, joy, et cetera, et cetera. Every day, he picks a cup for me. And sometimes, the cup he picks totally changes my focus. I cannot tell you how many times when he picked see the good cup that I really had to stop and change my focus to look for the good in my current situation. But every day when we wake up, even if there's not somebody putting out a physical cup for us that we can see, God holds out to us life and the cup. And we can trust him with whatever comes our way. Here's the deal. If problems weren't going to be part of life, Jesus wouldn't have told his disciples that. He told them, in this world, you will have problems, but be of good cheer. Does that sound crazy? Hey, you're going to have so many problems, but whoo, be happy. It sounds crazy. But he gave a reason to back it. In this world, you will have problems, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome this world. So here's the bottom line that I'm thinking about my own life. I live like this is all there is. Anyone else besides me? I live like what I see is all there is. I live like what I'm feeling in the moment is all there is. 
And when I'm doing that, I'm not realizing, I'm not remembering that Jesus said, I have overcome all this. I have overcome sickness and disease. I have overcome hardship. Yes, we might not experience it in this life. We might go through some really hard things, but the good news is, in the middle of every hard place, we can find God. In the middle of every hard place, he is with us. And so, I'm excited tomorrow to begin unpacking this a little more, like, what do you do with a problem? I mean, I, you know, like as a Christian, what do you do with a problem? If we're all going to have problems. It's got to be more than just like holding up like a, like a pom-pom. Woo, he's overcome. Well, that, that's cool for a second. But I got to know day by day, what do I do with my problems? And we're going to look at scripture. We're going to see what some other people did with their problems. We're going to see what scripture, how it leads us through handling a problem. And it's actually really, really exciting. So, there are many kinds of cups in the Bible. Let me just tell you, as I'm ending here, there's the cup of blessing in Psalm 23. There's the cup of hardship in Luke. There's the cup of cleansing in Matthew, when God is just doing a cleansing work in us. And there is a cup of promise that Isaiah talks about. In Psalm 23, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessing. Listen to what it's saying. You prepare a whole banquet for me when I'm in a really hard place. And even if I'm in a really hard place, the presence of my enemies all around, yet you say that my life, my cup overflows with your blessing. Another Oswald Chamber quote says, if God made your cup sweet, drink it with grace. Or if he's made it bitter, drink it in communion with him. So when you're in a good place, drink it with grace. When you're in a hard place, return back to him and remember who he is and how he loves. The reason I was on all the steroids before coming here is because actually I've been sick since August the 10th, and I won't go through too many details of that, but here's the deal. I always feel like, you know, if I'm going to be teaching something, it feels like it's always tested. Like, you know, my kids are like, maybe you should just stop all this. Like, it'd be a lot easier. <laughs> but during that time, I get a very serious medical diagnosis. I'm fine. I'll be fine. But I got tested with, I got tested with, this is, this is it. This is the diagnosis. This is what we found. Um, and like many of you, I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. <laughs> and Dr. Google told me I have about one to two years to live. <laughs> so I went back to my doctor and said, I Googled it. <laughs> and she patted me on the back. <laughs> and she said, now what can we do to get you ready to be able to go to these retreats you have this fall? I'm like, I'm not in any danger. She goes, quit Googling. <laughs> but it caused me once again to do what? to return and remember who he is and how he loves. And so in closing tonight, what I want to say to you is we begin our weekend. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. There are benefits attached to being his. He forgives you. He does not put a stipulation on what he will forgive. 
He says, you come to me and I forgive. He heals our diseases. And sometimes that healing is he ushers us into eternity. That's just part of it sometimes. So he forgives us. He heals us. He crowns us with love. He fills our life with compassion. In the middle of every hard thing, he says, that if you return to me, I will give you my grace. If you focus on me, you will have peace. If you remember me, you will see your problems differently because every single woman in this room has a cup. Now, I don't know what's in your cup today as you come into this weekend, but some of you might have just a complete cup of joy. Like things are going so great in your life, and that's wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be, a wonderful season. Can you surrender that cup of joy to Jesus? Some of you have a real hard cup. You just can't get your mind straight. You can't get your emotions on track. Like you just feel like you're in a pit and you don't know how to get out. Can you take that cup and present it to Jesus as an act of will and surrender? For some of you, you're just like in an ordinary, mediocre cup. Like, I don't know what my cup is. I'm just taking my kids to soccer and trying to cook dinner and trying to stay alive. Can you take that cup and give that cup, that ordinary life cup, to Jesus and surrender? And for a lot of us, Maybe we need to come as we start this weekend and say, Jesus, I do forget you. I love you, but I forget. And I want to take that, that advice there from the psalmist. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, forget not his benefits, who he is and how he loves. So tonight, I'm going to close in prayer my time here. And I'm going to invite you, just as I pray, and no one's going to be looking, but while I pray, like, if you would just, if you feel comfortable, and if not, it doesn't matter, but you don't have to, but, like, if you kind of cup your hand either down on your lap, or you can raise it up, however feels meaningful to you, and I don't know what cup you're lifting up to God, but he knows, because you know what's in that cup. And we're going to pray over our cups as we start this weekend. And we're going to ask God to speak to us about our problems and our joys in our real-life situations this weekend. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we just come to you this weekend. Here at Hume Lake, we're at a beautiful place to gather together. And we have time to focus on you and what you're doing in our hearts and how you're moving in our lives. And so, Father, we lift the cup of our life to you. Father, I thank you that you want to give us good things in that cup. Even in the middle of hard, you want to give us good things. And I ask, Father, that you would give each of us the strength to surrender completely the cup of our life to you. Whether we're in a good season, an ordinary season, a hard season, that we would give to you, Father, the cup that we are in. And we would declare the Lord, you, Lord, are our portion and our cup. Thank you, Father, that your word says that our cup overflows with blessing because we belong to you. Help us to see that this weekend as we process walking through the ordinary stuff in our lives that we might be struggling with. 
I pray for each woman here, and I pray for myself, and I ask, Father, that you draw us closer, that this would be a weekend of us returning to you in a way to remember who you are and how you love us.